everybody, this is Bridget Harrington. And Shannon Harrington. And welcome back to the We, we Want Arts podcast. podcast. Shannon, I am feeling really excited today. Why don't you tell everybody why? Well, we're very excited today because we have Shannon Estriker with us today on we this episode. We love Shannon. Shannon is the absolute best. We got the chance to first work with Shannon when we were cast in his one-act musical called Once Around the Circle, where we coincidentally played sisters, which was a lot of fun. Um, and that one-act musical was workshopped in New York City as part of the Emerging Artist Theater's new work series. And we also got the opportunity to record his score for this one-act musical in uh, a really famous Avatar Studios, which was a lot of fun. So Shannon is a composer, songwriter, and music educator who lives in New York City. He studied music at the Manhattan School of Music as well as the Aaron Copeland School of Music at Queens College. Shannon's music is very dynamic. He has uh, composed a really wide variety of different kinds of music. Some of his compositions have been featured at Carnegie Hall as well as uh, on Fox, NBC, and Lifetime. Uh, and Shannon is also a founding board member of the Chamber Orchestra of New York, where he created the Maestro Juniors Program, which is a arts education outreach program. Uh, Shannon also is a music teacher, and Shannon and I have had the privilege of performing for Shannon's music students several times now through Broadway Arts Reach. Basically, Shannon is just has been such a great mentor for Shannon and I. He's he's taught us so much about music and performance, and he's really special to us. So here's our episode, and we hope you enjoy it. Shannon, I am so happy that we're able to have you today on the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. You're very welcome. It's my pleasure. You guys are both awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, Shannon, on this podcast, you know, what we try to do is basically show how important music is um, in everyone's lives. And I think no one knows that better than you do. You are a, you're, besides um, composing and songwriting, you've, you're also a music educator and you have composed just a wide variety of all kinds of different musical pieces, including orchestral music and um, art music and, and music for the theater. So um, my question for you is really, why does music matter to you? And what role does music play in your life? Well, I mean, quite honestly, from the time I was a little child, music was just the most important thing to me. You know, I would like to say that music is something that I slowly came to. And but no, I mean, I, I seem to remember even from like the age of like four five music was just the most important thing to me. I was just if I heard somebody playing live music, I just I was in awe. So uh, music is important to me because it's it's kind of just a part of who I am. I mean, and, you know, from the earliest years I was never super interested in academics, but if there was music at school, you'd find me in the music room, you know. Um, I wasn't involved in a lot of other activities outside of school. It was just music all the time. And I feel very uh, lucky that I was able to go to uh, study. Uh, when I was in middle school and high school, I went uh, into Manhattan to study uh, at a prep school for music. And then I went to a conservatory for music in college. And so uh, I'm just 
very happy that I was able to pursue that as part of my education. Uh, can you can you tell us a little bit about what your experience was like studying music in college and um, like what that experience did for you? Yeah, well, you know, so I had gone to when I was in middle school and high school, I went to uh, the Manus uh, Preparatory Divin- Division. Manus is a conservatory uh, here in New York City. Uh, and so that kind of actually got me started because that was my first real experience studying classical music in a theoretical way. So I was studying a lot of theory, ear training. Uh, a little bit of composition, and I studied uh, classical piano. So when I went to college, I did my undergrad uh, at Manhattan School of Music in composition, and that, it was amazing. I mean, essentially, with the exception of one uh, humanities class that I had to take each uh, semester, I just took music class all day. I was in school probably, you know, some almost eight hours a day. It's just, it was, I was... Uh, immersing myself in classical music. And even though I was familiar with it, I had never studied it like that. I mean, it was a really intense study. Um, For me, it was also a challenge because as a person who's also always loved popular music uh, and has been writing popular songs in different forms since I was a kid, to study classical music, you know, really pushed me because I was used to the free language of popular music and, you know, uh, simple structures and chord changes and melodies. And suddenly, you know, I have teachers telling me that that's not acceptable, that you need to write things that are way, you know, more sophisticated than that. Um, I disagree with them now in hindsight, but uh, at the time, of course, it was my job to be a student. So the experience was profound. It was also really challenging. And I can honestly say that probably it was the most uh, satisfying four years of my life and also the most challenging four years. I mean, I came out of there tired, (laughs) uh, but uh, transformed nonetheless. Right. Well, uh, Shannon, as a composer and songwriter, you've had your musical pieces brought to life by world-class musicians everywhere, from Carnegie Hall to NBC to even digital recordings. And just this past week, you were actually able to record a composition of yours at the Domena Center for Classical Music with seven string players. So what does it feel like to have the music that you create come to life? Uh, it's probably one of the best feelings ever. Uh, that particular piece, it's, it's a piece uh, called All You Shining Stars for string orchestra. But uh, for this recording, for the funding that I received through a grant, it was more realistic to hire seven string players instead of, you know, uh, 30. Um, but uh, in any case... It's, uh, it was a piece I started writing probably about three years ago. So anyway, it, it's a piece that I, I've, I've been with for a number of years and to hear it performed. And actually the recording that we did was just the strings because the trumpet player is actually going to record his part in Israel since uh, COVID has greatly restricted everyone's lives. Um, so, but even just hearing the string part, probably one of the best feelings ever. It's a little bit like having a dream, the same dream every night. Uh, and then that dream suddenly like, you know, you, you wake up and it's, it's a reality. I mean, it's, it's, it's a little strange because it's something that's on the inside of you. Uh, even though of course I've heard the music performed on my computer and not that that's a a great representation, but to hear it performed by real musicians, breathing life into it, it's surreal. Uh, it's wonderful. I, you know, I would, I would imagine the feelings kind of similar to like what we feel as actors when you are rehearsing lines by yourself in your room 
And then you finally get to the rehearsal space and you finally get that opportunity to, to put the piece together with other actors. And suddenly it takes on this new meaning and you're working with living, breathing people and working off of them. It, it, I think it changes the way that you might even have initially interpreted the piece. Yeah, and I think it's just a difference between, you know, art making can be internal. And so certainly if you're an actress and you're practicing your lines or practicing a song for a show or whatever you're doing, that is making art. I mean, even if it's just you on your own. But, you know, the internal part of it's very important. But unless it's being shared with other people, whether it's an audience, obviously, or just other performers... It, it doesn't have the fullness of it. You know, the, the life, it's the same as like, you know, food. I'm a big fan of, uh, of, of good food. And if, you know, if I'm making some special food and I'm not sharing it with anybody, you know, it's good, but it tastes so much better when someone else can give you a response, even if they don't like it, you know? But I love that. That is a per- 100% perfect analogy. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Shannon, you're also really well-versed in music education. You've um, done a lot of work um, as a founding board member of the Chamber Orchestra of New York, um, including starting the orchestra's education program called Maestro Junior. So I think our listeners would would really be interested to hear a little bit about what that program does and why its work is really so important. Absolutely. Well, that's my pleasure. I've been uh, with uh, the, the Chamber Orchestra of New York uh, since the beginning. And one of the reasons why I've been involved, obviously, you know, besides the musical uh, component is because as an educator, New York City is strange because even though we have so many available, you know, arts uh, performances, they're expensive. And, you know, I've been teaching uh, at a school uh, in Queens and that school, the, the population generally speaking, doesn't necessarily have the funds to go to see, you know, uh, Metropolitan Opera or to hear the Philharmonic perform. It's very expensive. Um, and so the problem is even getting those students to go to um, educational programs through some of those wonderful organizations, it's still expensive. Either the school has to pay or the students have to pay. And uh, at least with my school, it, that's been a challenge over the years. And so I wanted to create a program where it was totally free the students would be exposed to the highest level of classical music um, without having to uh, have the challenge of, of, of paying for it. Um, and so that program, uh, Maestro Juniors, essentially, uh, it started a few years ago, and the program was designed that we bring uh, a small ensemble of string players plus a conductor into the school, uh, and they actually perform for the students, and then the students are completely involved doing all kinds of fun activities as the orchestra is playing, and then the students come up and they conduct. And so that's why it's Maestro Juniors, because uh, one, of the most interesting experience, one of the most interesting ways to experience classical music is actually on the podium. I mean, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's scary. I mean, I had to conduct this, this last Saturday, and uh, I'm a professional, and I was still you know, nervous because it's a lot of responsibility you're not just flapping your hands around. Um, and so anyway, so that's a big part of the program is to train the students, you know, in a, in a, in a realistic way to get in front of musicians and command them and show them the tempo, show them the dynamics, show them the emotion of the music. Um, so unfortunately, because of COVID, uh, we were not able to do the program uh, knowing that COVID uh, was going to continue for a while. We created a virtual program. So actually, one of the things we're doing now is uh, we are working with a number of schools and we created a whole set of videos that are interactive and it's essentially the same program we had before, except now it's all online. And once again, it's free for schools. 
Uh, and uh, it's fantastic. The response already so far has been very, very positive, even though, you know, they're still watching their screens, but they're watching their screens with musicians uh, and teachers who are very interested in, in um, giving their best. Yeah, and it's, 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 it's funny that you bring that up about, you know, it's just this really pervasive problem that schools don't have access to, like, quality, affordable programming. And that's a similar problem that Shannon and I recognized when we started Broadway Arts Reach. And I think Shannon's got a question that goes off of some of the work that we've been fortunate to do um, for your students. Right. So in addition to composing and songwriting, you're also a music educator. And it was such a privilege for uh, Bridget and I to be able to visit your students and perform some educational pieces for them uh, a few times now through our program, Broadway Arts Reach. And I remember when we were able to perform for them in person, how dynamic and truly excited each student was to be like part of the performance and just to tell us about their interests in performing and singing. So my question is, what is your philosophy about teaching music and how do you think music has impacted your students? My philosophy about teaching music. Um, that's a tough one. Uh, I think that, you know, I, I, I am not necessarily a person who uh, likes to claim that music is a uh, universal language um, or anything like that, because I feel like that there's a lot of weight in those words. Um, but my philosophy of music is certainly that there are certain ways that people have um, uh, expressed themselves uh, since the beginning of time. And music has been one of those ways, whether it was for spiritual, religious, social, um, just for entertainment purposes, um, certain, you know, and there's a reason for that. There's something about making music, whether it's the vibrations that come from the body when you sing, uh, the vibrations that come from instruments when you play them, uh, when you dance along with the music. There's something very uh, visceral, physical, um, and gratifying about it. So my, my basic philosophy of music and music education is that to give children the experience uh, to make that connection, that emotional and physical and, and maybe even spiritual connection is profound. And it's a really hard thing to do because it's not uh, quantifiable. It's not like math or something where, I mean, yes, you can give exams, of course, and you can measure, but that's not really the experience. You know, um, most students I know who I've taught, because I've been teaching now uh, just in the public schools for 14 years, most of the, the experiences and memories that students walk away with are not things that I taught them. They're actual physical experiences they had making music or hearing music. Um, and that's important because I'm a composer. I'm, you know, trained in theory and all that. And my experiences with music that are profound have nothing to do with my education. They're all making music and hearing music. Of course, it's tied to my education. So the philosophy of, it, of, of music education for me is really about giving students that experience um, and trying to do it in a way that's authentic. And that's every student is different. Every teacher is different. Every school environment is different. So, you know, it's not a one size fits all. But certainly, if students can walk away, you know, I'll, I'll give an example, which is the 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 simplest one, but, you know, teaching students to play recorder, you know, everybody cringes at the thought of having to hear, you know, a, a soprano, a plastic soprano recorder. But I have found that if you make music with students with that recorder, that means I'm making music, that means they're making music, whether it's improvising, composing, or whatever it is, 
it's suddenly it's not about a plastic instrument anymore. Suddenly it's about we're making music together and it really is profound. And I've had students who are in college who tell me about songs they remember that they played on the recorder. And I think, really? And like, yeah, like that really was a big deal for me. So, I mean, I know it's a long winded answer, but. Uh, no, I hey, I still remember Hot Cross Buns. <laughs> it's a good song. I mean, really, it's one of my favorites. <laughs> no, but I love I loved what you what you said about how the experiences that students take from the class, like rarely are they about the technical things that they learn. It's more so about the feeling that they get performing. And I think that holds for all areas of the arts, be it singing or acting, at least from my experience, the things that I remember most um, in terms of acting isn't like learning one mm-hmm. technique or another it's like actually being in front of somebody and feeling something in the moment um so that's i love that idea um all right well shanon you know we have to end on a question about once around the circle we just have to um so <laughs> shannon and i we were talking the other day um we were just like reminiscing about how exciting it was to be able to record the score at avatar studios and get to put it up on its feet um, at the Emerging Artists Theater. Um, and, you know, what we were saying the other day was really how well you captured, like, what it's like to be sisters and, like, how much emotion you were able to really draw from the audience, I remember, when we did the workshop. And just in that, because for our listeners, it's it was a um, one-act show. And in that short time span... Um, you, you really were able to draw out so much emotion from the audience. And so my question is, what do you think the theater and more specifically musical theater, why do you think musical theater has the ability to make people so emotional and, and really just to, to empathize with the characters that they watch up on the stage? That's a great question. I mean, first, you know, people go to theater wanting to have uh, a a kind of profound emotional experience. I mean, it's true. There's always the grumpy husband or boyfriend who goes to see Kinky Boots and he's like, wow, it's going to be horrible. Um, <laughs> but generally speaking, I mean, people are paying a lot of money, uh, you know, at least especially with Broadway to to be to have this great emotional experience, to be part of a story, to be totally um involved in all this movement and all these visuals it's so stimulating so i think the first part is that people want that you know people really go to the theater because they want to be they want escapism they want to feel good or they want to feel something different so i think people are kind of waiting and ready for that so that's the first thing i mean you know you're not having to win them over they're not like just all grumpy you know old men necessarily uh so and the second thing i think it's the combination of of storytelling with song. I mean, to me, you know, going back to my sort of philosophy of, uh, of music education and all that, there's something, you know, when, when people speak, there's a level of emotion that we're comfortable with. You know, when you sing the same words, suddenly you're, you're out of the comfort zone and people can feel very uncomfortable. I mean, just, you know, go to somebody, you know, and you care about a lot and, and say to them, you know, I love you. And they'll be like, Oh, I love you too. That's nice. And then sing it to them. I mean, you're going to make them very uncomfortable and they might not love you anymore, <laughs> uh, but that's okay. Uh, you can start off with your dog or something, but I mean, if you sing to somebody, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not recommending this to, to your audience cause it's a little weird, but if you sing words to somebody, you're getting, 
you're expressing it to them in a very profound way. It's very ancient. And so if you can do that in a balanced way in storytelling, it takes, you know, situ- some situations in musical theater are kind of like, I don't know, not really all that important or exciting. And then you hear them sing a, a, a beautiful melody telling those, saying those words and, and suddenly it becomes so important, you know? So for me anyway, cause I'm a, I'm a vocal person. I really feel like the voice is, is the instrument. If you can do it right, and it's not easy, and I've definitely, uh, I've had successes and failures as a, as a vocal writer, but if you can get those words set with the right melody at the right time, then I think it's really profound and people will keep coming back and back. And, you know, and that, that the story of Once Around the Circle, kind of like I was talking about with this, this piece I just recorded, it had been in my mind for a long time. So I was living those characters. I mean, those, those sisters were kind of inside my heart. And every time I get to the more emotional parts of the story, I would feel very emotional. And it, it bothered me because I had to keep visiting that over and over and over. So, you know, if I felt it, then at least some of the audience would feel it. And, and I think that was, it was, it was successful. So. Well, the, that was such a fun memory that we have honestly, probably like one of the best experiences we've had, like creating, helping be a part of creating something um, and just bringing it to life. Um, but that was such a great experience. Well, Shannon, thank you so much. Um, we're so happy that we were able to have you on today and that our listeners were able to learn from you. Mm-hmm. It was uh, great catching up with you again. It's been a long time. Yeah, it's my absolute pleasure. Uh, you two are so wonderful. I, you know, I could sing your praises for hours, but I'll speak them instead. I don't want to make you uncomfortable. <laughs> If you haven't done so already, follow Broadway Arts Reach on Facebook and check out our website at broadwayartsreach.org. That's Broadway, A-R-T-S-R-E-A-C-H. Also, follow my sister and I on our social media pages on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks so much for listening, and we hope you'll be back soon. Bye.